You're listening to Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. Built by Us. The Bricks. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another Brick. Today, we are going to do a mini extension of our Women in Politics episode that we just released last week and have a quick conversation in relation to some issues that have been in the news recently. I'm sure by now all of you have heard either the speech itself or of the speech that Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made about being a woman in Congress and just generally workplace harassment that she experienced from a fellow congressman. And so... If you haven't heard about this or haven't heard what was said, it's all over the internet, so you can either listen to clips or read the transcript, but suffice it to say that it was um, pretty aggressive, highly inappropriate, and just, you know, something that wouldn't be acceptable in everyday life, much less in a professional setting. Yes, Taylor. So I personally been following the news of that a lot because... It's an issue I deeply care about, and it was really powerful to watch her speech on the floor and, you know, just speaking to the rest of Congress, also just the rest of the nation about this important issue that's often overlooked. And just to kind of provide a follow-up of what happened after her speech, so her fellow congressman, Representative Yoho, is the one who made those remarks about her, and he kind of issued an apology or rather I don't know if you should call it a rather non-apology after her speech claiming that he has never uttered those words even though he was indeed overheard by a reporter from the hill so there there's a third party present who witnessed the whole you know interchange and then later he also claimed that since he has a wife and a daughter he cannot possibly be disrespectful or biased or anything towards women. And that's just, I mean, just an idea that we hear repeatedly, an excuse coming from men. Just a lot of other prominent politicians who've made, you know, these inappropriate remarks about women or just, you know, celebrities, like this argument has been throwing around for a long time. And I think it's time that we really talk about this. And does it really carry any value in shielding these men from, you know, being held responsible for their behavior? Yeah, we're here to tell you um, that it doesn't hold any weight. (laughs) So no, (laughs) no, just because you have a relationship with a woman, which who doesn't? We're 50% of the population. um, Actually 51, I'm pretty sure. Give or take, you know. Yeah. But it comes in various forms, right? So you hear people who say like, oh, I have a sister. I know what the struggles of a woman are are like. So like, I get it. I would never do anything wrong. Um, When of course you do all the time and you just don't think about it. You also see it when something horrible happens to a person, you know, like a woman was murdered and you're like, she was someone's daughter. It's like, why is that the thing that's sad? She was just a person on her own. And that's why it's sad that she's gone, you know? So you see it in all those forms. And it's equally similar to, you know, the same thing of saying, oh, I have a black friend. You know, it's all the same of you're pretending that your proximity to someone who is oppressed makes you unable to be the cause of oppression. And as we'll just say over and over again, it's just not true. And that's the thing. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. And I think 
Representative Ocasio-Cortez response to this apology or non-apology was also very powerful in that she said that she is someone's daughter too. And, you know, like her and her parents didn't raise her to accept abuse from men, which I thought was a very powerful phrase. And I like, I personally have never understood this argument. I'm like, okay, but you just, but yeah, but it's true. It might be true that you have a wife and daughter, but you just treated me or some other woman in that way, like a second ago. So I just don't know how that's related. And even though I guess you have a wife and a daughter, but it's, it's still unclear how that power dynamics is. So having those relationships that just doesn't just automatically make you a feminist or anything, you know, like you, it, it still depends on how you treat your fam, like the woman in your family. And that definitely gets carried over to how you treat other women who might not be related to you, but you know, you interact with in a, on a daily basis. And so, yeah, so I think that just a very outdated argument and just doesn't make sense at all. So, yeah, definitely. The fact that this particular situation happened on a national stage when press were watching is kind of just exemplary of how pervasive misogyny is and even just harassment in any workplace. Because if this is happening in such a bright spotlight and we can see it and you know, the perpetrator is going to not apologize and not change and not have any sort of disciplinary action taken towards him for harassing a, a co-worker, then it just shows you how much that this is happening in regular everyday workplaces where regular people don't see what's happening because it's not publicized. So I just think that point is so important to remember because we, we all have to know that this is happening every day in all the workplaces, in all the schools, um, if, it, if it can, can still be happening essentially on the record, you know, on camera or whatever you want to call it. True to your words, Taylor. So actually the next day after um, Representative Ocasio-Cortez speech, so during a private meeting, there were actually conservative male lawmakers who also took turns lashing out on Republican Representative Liz Cheney for her position on the U.S. COVID-19 pandemic. And she is, I mean, Representative Cheney, although she is not as famous as Representative Ocasio-Cortez, she is still currently the highest ranking female Republican. And, and this would happen to her too. So you can definitely see that this whole misogyny in the workplace, harassment in the workplace definitely happens across the board. And it's definitely not a new issue, definitely not isolated incidents. So that just goes to show kind of, you know, that already happened in the spotlight and was already you know, so rude and inappropriate, but whatever happened in the backstage in private meetings might be even more so. Yeah, exactly. And knowing that it was behind closed doors, Representative Cheney may not have told anyone if the whole situation before wasn't on, wasn't on the news, right? Maybe, she, maybe this has happened to her before frequently, being a high-ranking uh, woman in her party. So it's possible that she felt more confident to to tell someone about it it's just like quote unquote reports so we don't know who told who or where it came from but you know you're not you're not going to hear of a perpetrator telling on themselves right so probably she told someone that this happened and someone told 
a reporter because they were upset. So just like anything with, I mean, just thinking about, for example, the Me Too movement, being able to tell and bring these things to light is one of the most important things. And that takes strength. It takes power. It takes, it takes risk because you could get fired for, for telling on someone who has the power. Right. So that's just something that just, we just need to remember as well is is the risk that it takes to call out harassment in the workplace. I think it's important to note that this issue of misogyny and sexism is pervasive throughout, you know, the daily life of a woman in the workplace as she's walking down the street, pretty much everywhere. And Currently, the focus on of the country is on systemic racism, which, yes, is a very big issue, and we need to focus on it. But that doesn't mean we put everything else on the back burner. It doesn't mean everything else gets ignored, because there is systemic misogyny and systemic sexism and systemic transphobia, and there are systemic issues throughout our country that can't just be ignored because we're looking at one thing. There are, believe it or not, Black women. And intersectionality of identities is so important. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a woman of color. And so her experience, yes, this specifically is focusing on the sexism that she experiences in the workplace, but we need to remember to address and discuss and work towards fixing all of the problems that are going on. You can't just focus on one and ignore everything else. There are fires everywhere. We need to put them all out. But that's something that we've talked about before. We all must remember that all of our liberations are linked because all of the oppression relies on each other. White supremacy works to keep all the, you know, non-cis, straight white males, everyone who's not that, down. And, I mean, white supremacy was founded on the idea that, oh, if we have, like, all the poor people of different races fighting each other for a little bit more money or a little bit more freedom or a little bit whatever, then we keep everybody down. And that's how it's worked. It has been successful. And so we have to kind of break out of that shell and remember that we need each other for our, our freedom. And um, we, have to, we have to work for, for every liberation at the same time. And we, can't, we don't have to get into it, but just quickly, you know, the women's suffrage movement shows you exactly how this happens because women of color started the women's suffrage movement, white women joined. The white women had more money to be able to kind of like run the protests on their own essentially and they started kicking out the women of color who originally founded the movement, which is um, why only white women got the ability to vote with the 19th Amendment and uh, women of color had to keep waiting. It's still not full liberation and that's not okay. Anyway. Yeah, and then also with just the women's movement in general, definitely in the very beginning is very white, very middle, upper class, and, you know, like women of color and just, you know, low-income women were definitely excluded from the fight for equality and freedom. It happens so often today as well that we see that, you know, women of color are often left out of the conversation in the fight for gender equality. And I've personally experienced that, and it's definitely still an issue we need to work on just within the women's movement to be more cohesive as a unity instead of fighting against each other within the group. So that's definitely something that's very 
important talk to talk about too. Yeah. People who experience harassment in the workplace need, you know, coworkers to support them once if someone decides to report it, right? So we know that it's difficult to report workplace harassment because of the power structure. And it's something to think about with the power structure on both ends of harassment, because so, you know, originally you're thinking about the power structure of, if we're talking about traditional gender roles that frequently happens in the workplace, you know, men exerting their power over women and experiencing harassment and frequently sexual harassment, right? And that happens because these men feel like they have power and that nothing bad will happen to them if they do this, aka the example that we talked about earlier, nothing happened to him. But then it also happens on the other end if, for example, women start to support other women, they talk to each other, they realize the harassment is pervasive, it's happening to everyone, then they start to maybe rise up and report it and try to get something done. Then you also see harassment happening as backlash as well to try to like reassert, it's almost like reasserting their dominance in this power structure. It's like, no, you do need to stay down. I will continue to harass you. And so that's the struggle that we all deal with just out, out in the world generally when you're not part of the, when you're not a straight white man. Yeah. And then definitely, I definitely really, I feel that workplace is such a complicated space to navigate, especially given that it's, you know, run by this patriarchal power structure. And I feel like to put it like, honestly, I feel like women are damned either way, sort of. If you aspire for power, which is what more women are aspiring to, they realize, you know, their strength and their potential and they're aspiring for more. But that often gets put down by men who think that they should be the one in control and being power. So that leads to some women having to either hide their ambitions and, you know, appear more like friendly and feminine in, in order to appear not harmful to the men in order to avoid that kind of backlash that men have for, for powerful women, you know? And if you, if you appear kind of weak like that, you oftentimes you get more backlash if, you know, and then because they, men wouldn't see you as exploitable. But if you do kind of show your more confident side, they will call you bossy. They will probably call you the B word or like a witch or anything like that. And it just, it's a really hard, like hard balance to strike. And then the question is also like, should women, you know, spend so much energy on trying to appear palatable to men so that, so that they can avoid this kind of harassment and misogyny in the workplace. But if they don't, they, they will often get a, like lots of backlash as we see you know, for example, like in Representative Ocasio-Cortez case, a lot, we know a lot of powerful women in politics are really vilified, you know, just across the media and just in everyday conversations that men have. So it's, it's really like a dilemma for, for women, like how, like, if you want to succeed, that there's a very spiky path and if you don't it's also a spiky path because you you want to like support your family and you you want to like you know realize your potential so it's yeah I mean you're right Eva it's I like how you call it a spiky path because again any oppressed group that's trying to do well 
any person who's part of an oppressed group that's trying to do well for themselves is going to struggle because like you said, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And that's one of the other reasons why it's so important that we all work together and we all support each other because if we try to do it alone, it's going to be really hard. It's possible. It has happened, but it's going to be really hard. So we just need to be there for each other. My main experience, I'm, you know, I've only been in the workforce for what, five, five plus, five-ish years, which is not a ton, to be honest. But I think my main experience with this is that I have had male bosses in my past working with other organizations who um, are not very good at their jobs. Like, I'll just say that they were not, they were not great. They wouldn't have been good at the job that I was doing and they weren't good at managing me. It looked like this man stuck around in this organization so they just pr- kept promoting him and he just kept getting to oversee people just because he was around, not because he was particularly good at his job. And I just don't see that happening as much with women. Um, and as we all know, pretty much never happens with women of color. <laughs> and if it does, it's, you know, it's a token situation. It's like, oh, look at this. Look at this amazing black woman. She's doing so well and she gets no support, actually. And she probably is not having a good time. I feel like for me, because I'm still a student, so I don't have as much experience in the workplace, but I mean, similar things has like definitely happened in school when you're competing with like, like men or like other boys in your class, you know, for, for like that grade or like for like, you know, any position like within the club situation or like uh, like alumni collect connection stuff like that and I don't know I just remember that when I was like younger I think in middle school or something like there were boys who were just like talking about like some idea that oh like pretty girls like don't have to do anything like you they just like have to like you know maybe like marry a rich and they're like all set and blah 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 and I was just like okay like where did you get this idea and I've definitely also been told myself, like sometimes, you know, by like family, friends, or even relatives that like I appear too, too strong or like, or like I appear too strong minded or like too independent. Like I have to somehow show my weakness or like play dumb to like get men's attention or like try to like get someone that way because like I might be like too smart and therefore too threatening to men like that's like definitely like been reinforced to me as this idea that I'm not feminine enough or I just might be too smart for men which I mean is an insult to men not me right <laughs> like so I guess like in school like especially like at Duke which is like a very like competitive kind of environment you know with like so many privileged people like there's definitely been incidents where like I was kind of taking leadership over something or like, you know, kind of overseeing like tasks and just kind of, you know, like telling everyone like what to do. And there's definitely been cases where some men were not happy with me in power. And like me as a woman and nonetheless, like a woman of color, they're like, why should I do what you're telling me to do sort of situation? Well, I just don't think that would have happened if I were like, a white male in charge and nobody would say a word about my authority. So 
yeah, so those are just kind of the couple of cases that I just thought about. And again, doesn't definitely doesn't only happen to me either. Like definitely has happened to a lot of women and especially women of color. I interestingly have an opposite effect. Uh, as a more masculine presenting person, I rarely experience people, at least it feels like people rarely doubt what I have to say. And I am confident no one has ever told me, hey, like you're too much. The, the comment I get a lot is that I'm too loud, but just like in general, but I, I talk loudly and I know that. Um, but I have benefited from the patriarchal system as an individual who presents a lot more masculinely. I know that if I walk down the street, like, like I have never been afraid to walk down the street with headphones in at night by myself. I have never had that fear. I have never, to my knowledge, uh, that, or that I've been aware of, been questioned because of, of being a woman. I've like, I've never, I have benefited greatly and I feel icky about it because I, I shouldn't benefit from playing into their idea of what a man should be. I don't know. It's weird. I'm in a weird spot. Um, but it is But you're not, I mean, you're not playing into the idea of being a man. Like you're not trying to skirt the system. You're just no being who you are and you happen to benefit, which is a conversation that happened in in the gender non-conforming community and the trans community. Um, it's an it's an interesting conversation, yeah. but you you don't need to feel <laughs> any sort of guilt about that. It's it's a it's it's just interesting. Like you said, it's a it's a pointy, prickly, spiky, spiky. spiky. Um, <laughs> it's a spiky road that 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 women walk, um, and the coming together, banding together as women as a collective is important for success. I think one one thing to note is, Taylor, you mentioned that you can do it on your own, but if every woman tries to fight this fight on her own, she will get tired and she will get burned out and not as many women are going to make it. So if you band together and join forces and, you know, kind of exactly what you were saying, you just stick up for each other and support each other and recognize that you are in this fight together and that you don't have to do it alone. Yes, women are, are pitted against each other. Yes, it is a uh, dog-eat-dog world out there, but it doesn't have to be. You can choose to say, I'm not going to be your enemy just because our company or our coworkers or our society tells us that we should be against one another. We can work together. We can do this together so we can both succeed. Men do that all the time. Men look out for each other way too much when they really shouldn't. And women should do the same. And I think it would help so many just band together and be like, hey, we are women and we are going to do this and we are going to make it. And if you fall, I will help pick you back up. If one of us gets a little lost, we're going to find our way back. We don't have to do this by ourselves. Because no one's going to succeed then. Thank you, Lumi. I think we're all feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to help our fellow woman. Because that's what we're here for. Yes. So if you haven't yet listened to the Women in Politics episode, just go back and listen to that um, to hear more about why we need women in leadership roles and how we can help them get there. Yeah. And... 
please write to us if you have any questions or comments about this episode or any episodes in the past, or if you have any ideas for our podcast, especially the break episodes. Connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at democracync, or you can visit our website at democracync.org.